So, uh, last week I shared about storms, and um, yeah, Sonic and I, we've been now through about, I, I calculated yesterday, 28 days of storms. Woo-hoo. <laughs> That's a new record for us. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been amazing when we went to Argentina, you know, and you see God move like that, you feel like a super apostle. And you come back, and you feel like your life is falling completely apart, and everybody must pray for you because you can't cope. Yeah, it keeps you humble. It's good. It keeps you humble. No issues with, those, with, with, with that. But last week, um, I, I shared about storms, and so get that message if you missed it. I'll just touch on something about it again. But this morning, I'm starting with a, a glorious series, Ephesians. So we're going to be speaking about Ephesians. I heard a pastor say, You've heard the, the statement, love at first sight. He said, concerning the scriptures, love at first insight. Which I think was so profound. Love at first insight. And, uh, and that's really true. The scriptures, the word of God is so powerful. I mean, if, when, when you start seeing the treasures that God has hidden in him and in the scriptures. You start seeing it. It transforms your life. The word of God is a light unto our feet. A lamp unto our path. The word of God is a sword that cuts chains in our lives. Chains of bondage. Things that binds us. When, when the truth of the scriptures hits us, it breaks those chains. The word of God is like a hammer that crushes lies and fears. And insecurities. It crushes darkness in our lives. The word of God. It sustains us. The word of God will remain forever. It is eternal. It will stand forever. Man's opinions will come and go. Fancy journalists. And proud people will say their anti-God, anti-Christ things. They will have all of their opinions But we know that the word of God will stand. We know that it will stand. We know that it is truth. We know that if we embrace it, it will transform us on the inside. And will transform our environment. The word of God. Love at first insight. It's powerful. Do you love the scriptures? Do you love it enough to read it, to study it, to meditate upon it? Do you, do you dive, delve into it? So we want to we help you over the next six, seven, eight weeks. To, to, to fall in love with the scriptures, to read it for yourself, to study it to the life groups. We send some tips as well, just have some basic Bible study tips and techniques just to get into the scriptures for yourself. So, love at first insight. Okay, so I'm going to touch on Ephesians chapter 2, but first I'm going to start at Ephesians chapter 1. For some of my, our life group members ask me, why do you start at chapter 2? Because the Holy Spirit said I must. Now what can you say after the pastor said that? There's no comeback. Well, okay. The Holy Spirit told him. So Ephesians. Ephesians is full of life. It's the words of Ephesians reach higher than in Christian thought than any other letter in our New Testament. It is... Profound. It is probably the most profound book in the New Testament, especially of the letters of Paul. It's full of living revelation, full of living revelation, and it drips with the anointing. It drips with the anointing. You must just get into it. And sometimes you just need to get a good translation that helps you to understand what the heck is going on. So and the New Living Translation is a very readable, very, very readable translation. So if you battle with it, we normally use New King James um, but uh, this just amazing. all of them are good. Ephesians was written about 60 AD. Paul was in prison. He was writing it from prison. Now, isn't that profound? This is like this epic letter of a glorious church transforming the earth. It is this, it's like the high water mark in Christianity. It's defining that this is who God is, and this is what God has given to you, and this is how you're going to get it. And he's in jail. 
How's that for a, you know? I think sometimes when we go through storms, we just want to sit and cry in a corner. This guy was in jail. It was ugly. It wasn't a country club. It wasn't, I mean, it was even worse than our prisons. It was, it was really, really tough. And yet, in that storm, you, you wouldn't think it was written from, from the prison. So even in that storm, Paul was in Christ. And he had these incredible encounters with God and revelations that he shared with the, with the church. So Ephesians, it's, it drips with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read you the introduction of Ephesians 1, the first few, few verses from the Passion Translation. Really, really cool translation. It says, Ephesians 1, 1. Dear friends, my name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Our other translation says and grace and peace. But the, the word peace actually means it impart, to impart total well-being into our lives. That's God's heart. He wants to impart total well-being into your life. And then the next verse, Ephesians 1 verse 3. This is, this is the scripture that defines the rest of the book. Ephesians 1 verse 3. He says, everything heaven contains, let's say it, everything heaven contains, has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him, the Father, with all our hearts. Let me read that again. Everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our heavenly, wonderful, heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped in Christ. Wow. So... Everything has been given to us. The moment you became a Christian, the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, you you were wrapped in Christ and now God sees you and he says, all of this is yours. So imagine for a moment, you meet God the Father, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you, you come to the Father, Father says, let me take you up, we go up onto a hill And you stand on top of a hill and the father says, all of this is yours. It's like revealing to you in the spirit, in the heavenlies. All of this, as far as your eye can see, it has been given unto you. It's yours. It's yours. (laughs) Yeehaw. Yay. Awesome. Wow. Praise God. Yes. So you go down the hill, you go into the first field on the right, you can come and enjoy your land. And then you say, whoa, 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 what's this? You see a squatter. Squatter straight from hell. A giant. Evil giant. A squatter from hell in your field. And you think, what's going on here? My God, is, God, you said I've lavished everything upon you. It's yours. Go, take it. Claim it. How does this work? You think, how does this work? And so you back away. And you climb back onto your little hill. And you stop pursuing your land. You stop pursuing that which is already yours. Legally, it's yours. But the enemy has come to squat on your land. He's come to keep you from receiving that which God has already given to you. So this is what Ephesians, this is where Ephesians starts. It says, God the Father appearing to you, opening his arms, saying, my son, my daughter, it's all yours. Go and enjoy. And you get the skrik of your life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this? This is like war. This is, there's, there's like a spirit war. There's like a, res- a battle for that which is already yours. And many, many Christians go back onto top of the hill And they never go down again. And they quote 
I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Well, what have you conquered? Well, nothing. Hey, but I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Because we, we run away from the storms of life. We run away from the challenges. You see, every time we step into the will of God, there will be opposition. If you read the, the end of Ephesians, it says there's a war. Ephesians 6. And your battle is not against flesh and blood. Principalities and powers. There is a war. But so many Christians get the fright of their lives and they back away and they sit on their little hill and they sing their little song and you know the devil isn't bothered. Because we didn't go and take our land. And I think that's what I've, I've experienced this past month. When we were in Argentina, it's like open heavens. Never heard the voice of God like we have. I've never seen miracles like this. I've never seen God move as powerfully. And I realized as, as it's like I stepped into a new field, a new territory. I was seeing, experiencing things. I've, I, I, it was just mind-boggling. But now coming back, it's like the enemy saying, no, no, I'm not going to allow you. I'm not, I don't want you to have this type of freedom in East London. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to press you. I'm going to push you. I'm going to be on your case. I'm going to try and break you. I must say, first time in four weeks, I feel like myself. Thank you, Jesus. Moving forward. Moving forward. But so the enemy is there. So, so, so you need to be aware. But what I, what I felt the Holy Spirit showed me is that the whole land, you, the whole promised land, if you would zoom out of your land, you'd look from the top, there would be written over it the letters G-O-D, God. There'd be written Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father. The promised land is all about discovering God. It's a God quest. Every field you go in to receive your promised land is actually to receive more of who God is. You know, when we get into the storm and we see the giant, then you want to, you look at the giant. It's hard not to look at the giant. You see the guys playing rugby, you know, you pass the ball to them. They didn't catch the ball because they were looking at the opposing person coming to tackle them. It's like, whoa. So we do the same. We look at the giant and we took our eyes off Christ and we get into trouble. And what I feel the Lord is saying to me is, when you go into the different areas, everything we do is about meeting more, of, it's about seeing more of Christ. Everything. It's about seeing more of God the Holy Spirit. It's about seeing more of God the Father. So you're walking into your, the, the, the field, and you, you, you see the giant, and you're like, whoa, whoa, this is big. Actually, just look over his shoulder. Sorry, excuse me. I'm just looking at my God. Just looking at who my God is. And as you keep looking at who your God is, at some point revelation hits your heart and your mind and suddenly you see a massive giant behind the little giant. Your King of Kings and your Lord of Lords, the God of glory. And as you just worship him, as you get a fresh revelation of who he is, a hand comes from heaven and crushes this <laughs> So-called giant. I believe every season we go through, we must ask this question. God, who are you? Show me a fresh glimpse of who you are. Every part of the promised land, every miracle, every sign and wonder, every storm, every challenge. It says, God, who are you? Show me a fresh glimpse. Give me a, a fresh glimpse of who you are. I want to see you, and when I see you, I am changed. And when I see you, the glory of God comes, and that land becomes mine. I possess it experientially. It's not just legally mine, it's now experientially mine. And what I've been wrestling, my wife and I have been wrestling now for 29, 28 days, is just God, what we experience in these other countries should be the norm here. Why? Should God move powerfully in India? Why should he move powerfully in Argentina? But when we come here, we feel oppressed. Life sucks. <laughs> Rubbish. Open heavens. Open heavens. God's will is open heavens. He wants us to experience him freely and to take our land. So this is what I'm doing. Every storm, every challenge, God, who are you? Show me. Every part of the land is a is another aspect of who he is. It is our God quest. 
You're going through a storm, going through a challenge, going through difficulty at work, fear, sickness, people issues, finance issues. Ask one question. God, who are you? You see, sometimes we need to be under a little pressure <laughs> to make us desperate. Okay, God, who are you? I'm lacking in finances. Who are you? I'm not looking for the miracle, even as Stephen said. I'm looking for the provider. I'm not looking for health. I'm looking for the healer. I want to see you. I want to see you. When I see you, I take my land. And so I have this sense that people will come to us and they say, Wow, look at all the land you have taken. And you're like, Oh, yeah, true. Didn't really focus on that. I was just focusing on more of him. More of him. More of him. I believe our greatest challenges, our greatest trials, our greatest storms will unlock our greatest revelations of who he is. It will rock your world. It will rock your world. But what happens? We look away. We look to the storm. Don't look over the giant's shoulder and see the true giant. Our great and glorious God. Amen. Come on. Come on. There's a generation rising up. I want to speak to you this morning about overcoming family. Overcoming family. That's what I want to speak to you about. Overcoming and overcoming family. We are an overcoming family. The last time I checked, when it came to the promised land... In the book of Joshua, it wasn't one person that took the land. It was an army. But also it wasn't just any army. It was a devoted army. An army devoted to God. And as I've been studying the scriptures and reading, and just, I mean, just reading promises. You know, when you're in the storm, it's just everything hurts. And so you just, there's one way, Jesus, just more of you. So you're in the promise. I'm reading Deuteronomy. I'm, I'm, I'm reading the scriptures. And I realized over and over again, God says he doesn't give them strategy to overcome the enemy. It's like, come along this side, take them over the hill, tackle them over there. He just said, if you hold fast to me, I will drive out your enemies. That's a brilliant strategy. God is saying, just hold on to me. If you, if you are devoted to me, I will drive out your enemies. A devoted army. I mean, that's all through scripture. Be faithful to me. Obey me. Follow me. Be with me. And I will. I will do the rest. Ah, that's good. But what happens? We get into struggles. We get into challenges. Trying to figure out how we're going to sort this out. Draw near to him. Draw near to him. That will sort it out. So Ephesians gives us strategies, I believe, in terms of how to take our land. How to, uh, how to receive more of God. You see, this army is a devoted army, but this army is more than an army. This army is a family. A family, a family, a family. It's one of the key things I found in the book of Ephesians. Is that no one possesses the land alone. So I'm sorry to say, but you need me. And I need you. And you need your brother and your sister that's sitting next to you. No one's taking the land alone. Only a devoted to God, family will take the promised land. Only a devoted to God family. So there's a possession of spiritual realities that we need to take so that we can, in the effect, take earthly realities. But the key is a devoted family. A devoted family. The foundation of the kingdom of God. The foundation of the kingdom of God is family. The, the, the foundation of the kingdom of God is family. How do I know it? You have Father God, you have the Son Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit who's like mommy, comforting people. And, and if you mess with mommy, woo, you're in big trouble. Holy Spirit. That's not a, necessarily a theological statement. 
God the Father is bringing a family together for himself. Family. Family. Let me, let me read you the, the verses that we're going to focus on. Ephesians 2 verse 18 to 22 in the New Living Translation. As I said, New Living Translation reads wonderfully. It's really, really easy to read. They keep out most of the complex words. Really a good, good copy to get if you, if you want to read, read it easier. So it says here, Now all of us, now all of us, can come to the Father. You see, Father, family. Through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. No longer strangers and foreigners, even as Dane mentioned. No longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Let's say it, members of God's family. Yes, together, say together. We are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Verse 21, we are carefully joined together, say together, in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of the dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Oh, this is profound. You cannot do more than four, four verses in a message. But verse 18, I'm going to just take it one, one verse at a time. It says, now all of us, how many of us? <laughs> all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. All of us can come. It's like the world are like orphans. So we have this wonderful house, the house of God. Imagine this cold winter's evening, snowing outside, and it's bright, beautiful inside. Beautiful table and decorated. The Father is there, God the Father. Jesus is there, Holy Spirit is there. And they're having a wonderful meal. This is the family of God. And this is where everything started, the Trinity. And yet the Father said, I want... To have a bigger family. I want, to, I want more people. There's space at my table. I want, I want a family. But now we have so many orphans outside of the house of God. On the streets, in the cold, fighting for themselves. Trying to make things work. I'd say Christians. I'm not even talking about unbelievers now. I'm talking about Christians. Who find themselves outside of the house of God. Outside of communion and fellowship with, with the living God. And the family. And I see Jesus. It says, that, it says that the door has been opened. All of us can come to the Father. Because of what Christ has done for us. So it's like Jesus was in the house. And he's looking out the window. And he's saying, seeing all the orphans. So he goes to the door. And he opens it up. And he says, hey, come. You can be part of this. You can be part of this. You can be inside. You can be part of this incredible communion, fellowship. The God family. The household of God. You can be part of it. Come. So he's, he's opened the door. And we can come in. We can become part of that. We can become part of the household of God. And I know many of us, I mean, we believe it and it's true. You know, the moment you commit your life to Jesus, you become a part of the global church. The global body of Christ. But I believe so many are in their hearts orphans. Strangers. Outside, even if they come to church on a Sunday, in their hearts, they're still outside. In their hearts, they haven't experienced the love of the Father. They haven't encountered Abba, Father, love. That says you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer an orphan. About two weeks ago, uh, I went through a, had a powerful encounter with God. And afterwards, I just felt the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, you are no longer an orphan. You say, something goes through seasons. I thought I dealt with it 10 years ago. <laughs> Five years ago. Ah, oh, man, let's deal with it again. <laughs> let's deal with it again. Sometimes the Lord takes you deeper. 
And I, I feel God wants to, to set us free from that orphan thing that's always out there on our own, outside of the family, outside of community. You see, when you come to the Father, you come to family. When you come to the Father, you come to family. That's just how it works. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a family papa. That's what he does. He's a family daddy. He does family. You can't say, well, I just want, I just want relationship with a, with, with, with a father. I don't want relationship with a rest. I just want him. And I think many Christians do that. You know, I have great relationship with the father. You know, why should I have, need anything else? But when you come to the father, you come to family. You come to family. You come to family. It's like, it's like the body of Christ. If you are the hand, you're the hand. Not just the man, you're the, you're the hand. Okay? Disconnect the hand from the body. What will happen? You'll have a hand crawling around, and it's really weird. Or a foot. But some people say, no, I, want, I just want relationship with Jesus. I just want relationship with the head. So we have like the hand stuck to the head. Or the foot dangling off the head. No, we together are connected to the head. And we become one body. But if you disconnect the hand, the hand over time, it doesn't have blood flow and it dies. And we see this over and over again. People getting disconnected. Disconnected. But before I get there, God wants us to understand something. I heard someone say this. Let me, let me, let me, let me read it to you exactly how they said it. I've often found myself in circumstances that were too big for me. But I've never faced anything in life that was too big for my family. I've often found myself in circumstances that were too big for me, but I've never faced anything in life that was too big for my family. And I, we, Sonic and I experienced this this past month, having to ask people over and over again, pray for us. I don't know what the heck's going on. Pray for us. I'm so tired of asking people to pray for me. <laughs> but then I humble myself. Okay, please pray for me. I need help. I need help. And the Lord confirmed it to me. I joked with our missions team saying, man, I was super apostle just last week. Now I feel like useless. And I think God was trying to communicate to me. Alone, you're not going to do this. Alone, you can't make it. The storms of life are too big for you alone. And for you and your spouse. Alone. I guarantee it. It's designed like it. God has designed it like that. He, 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 you have to decide. You have to choose. Am I going to humble myself, ask for help? Oh, am I going to die? <laughs> but we don't always realize that we're dying. We don't always realize the implications of walking alone. But we do die. We do. The wheels do come off. And so I've, this past month, the Lord has confirmed this to me again. Alone, I'm not going to make it. But together, we are unstoppable. Because we're the family of God. God is with us. The family of God. So I want to let this sink into your heart. Let this sink into your heart. Do you realize your need for family? Do you realize your need for, to be together with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you realize it? Is it a non-negotiable part of your value system? Is it? It needs to be. Because when the storms come, you have had to make up your mind before the storm comes. Because in the storm come, when the storm comes, your head spins. Your kop dry. Jy dink dom dinge. Jy raak mal. You go crazy. In the storm, things go crazy. But if you have made up your mind before them, this is my value system. This is how we fly this aeroplane. When we're going through a storm, we keep going. We don't divert our course. We don't change. We don't run away. Because what happens, you run, you run away. You don't want to be around people. When you are, uh, are hurting, you don't want to be around people. Who responds like that? When you're hurting, you want to be alone. 
Some of us want to be around people, but the wrong people with a drink in the hand. <laughs> That's the wrong people. I'm not talking about those people. <laughs> when you're really, really hurting, you know, who wants to go to church? No, 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 no. <laughs> Rather go drink. Non-negotiable value. No. I need family. I need my brothers. I need my sisters in Christ. I need help. You see, God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. And so sometimes we go through storms and then nobody notices. And we get offended. Whose fault is that? That's your fault. Because you must shoot up a flare. I'm going through a storm. Help. It's hurting. I'm not making it. I'm battling. It's your responsibility to shoot the flare and to tell someone, WhatsApp group, super crazy storm WhatsApp group. Everybody at it. Help. This sucks. This is hurting. I'm not coping. Help. Help. I had to, I had to, I had so had to humble myself. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep for more than two weeks. Couldn't sleep for more than two weeks. So it was a Sunday night. Monday, I had to fly to Cape Town for these meetings in Cape Town. I'm stuffed. Four o'clock in the morning, still awake. It was crazy. You feel you go crazy. You feel you absolutely go crazy. I had to phone my leaders. Oh, humbling. You see, I was last week super apostle. I'm not coping. My life is falling apart. <laughs> I need to take three days sick leave. I'm not going to make it. I'm not coming. I'm not asking. I'm not coming. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to humble yourself. It's okay to say you're not making it. It's okay. Alone, you're not going to make it. Together, we are unstoppable in Christ. Family, family, oh, I'm so praying that something would shift on the inside of us. That we would see that the door is open, that as orphans we can come in, we can become part of the family. We can be part of the God family. You see, when you're part of this God family, then our personal victories have corporate ramifications. Basically what it means is, if I was on my own somewhere, and I have a victory, that's just my victory. But if I'm part of a family and I have a victory, my victory becomes the family's victory. Same with you. Your victories can impact others. And I, so, I often see this. Those who do not understand the family of God, they will never truly understand the kingdom of God. We see it, people say, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. I'm, off, I'm doing the kingdom of God. But they don't understand family. They don't understand loyalty and relationship. They don't understand friendship. They don't understand that we're together. They never actually understand the kingdom. That which they pursue, they've never laid the foundation. They pursue the miracles. They pursue the signs and wonders. They pursue ministry. They pursue all these things. But they have missed the foundation, the core. Family. Family. Don't miss it. Don't miss this. Let, let this sink in. Because it sinks, it sunk into me. <laughs> I'm not doing this alone. I'm not doing this alone. How about you? Is it easy to walk away? Easy to walk away. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Ephesians 2. Let me read that again. Or oh, verse 19. Verse 19. So now, now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. No longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house. Built on the foundation, these foundations. Carefully joined together. No longer strangers and foreigners. 
Over the last month or two, I've just seen this again. I believe there's an, an evil force at work in the global body of Christ. And its mission is to disconnect believers from the body. To disconnect people from family. It's an evil force that ministers to our hearts and minds. It speaks to us. And there's different tricks and things that it uses to try and disconnect us. It speaks to us in different ways. Yet the word of God says, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer foreigners. That's the truth. You're not a stranger, yet some of us feel, I feel like a stranger. I'm too old for this church. I'm too young for this church. I'm too black for this church. I'm too Chinese for this church. I'm too... Not speaking about any specific people at this time. <laughs> I'm to this for this church. But if you read the previous verses of that same chapter, it says the middle wall of separation has been broken down. The Jews and the non-Jews, they have become one. Other scriptures say there's no longer male nor female, nor slave nor free, nor whatever else. No black, no white, no colored, no Chinese, no Japanese, no anything. No Zambian or Zimbabwean. It's been broken down. It's been broken down. But still the enemy comes and tries and tells us in our minds, you don't fit. You're a stranger. You're not part of this. You're not like them. I tell you, you are. If you've surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, you're part of the family. You're part of the family. You're part of the family and you are so welcome. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you to experience the Father's love through other people who are even different. This is the glory of the body of Jesus Christ that a diverse bunch of people. I mean, just put male, female together. Woo, that's diverse. That's diverse. Young and old, slave and free, poor, rich, it doesn't matter. Because he said, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer you are part of the household of God. You are part of the family of God. And my prayer is that something would shift on the inside of us. Cast off that orphan thing. Cast off those lies. That keeps us from becoming part in our hearts of the family of God. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. When you're going, when you're going, as I said, when you disconnect the hand from the body, the hand will die at some stage. No matter how intimate you feel you with Jesus. Ooh, our relationship is awesome. You're going to go through a storm. And when you go through a storm, keep going to church. And when you go through a storm, keep going to life group. If you keep going, you're going to make it. Because at some stage, you're going to encounter the power of God. At some stage, I'm going to say something that's going to shift you. Or Sonica, or Stephen, or someone else will say something. And it will explode in your heart. And you're going to be set free. You're going to see Christ. Don't run away when things get tough. Don't run away when things get tough. Run to him. You see, we disconnect ourselves. And there are different ways that we disconnect ourselves from the body. It's through giving into insecurities or fears or lies or even pride. It's amazing. I've, um, just the power of fear. I've seen as I've spoken to people in the past where... They look so confident. You would not imagine it, but they are terrified of going back to a life group. Absolutely terrified. I mean, this is movers and shaker people. Terrified of going back to a life group because of the fear of rejection. The fear of someone is not going to speak to me or something's going to go wrong or whatever. You see, but what it, where, where, let me ask you this question. Where does fear come from? From God. No, not a trick question. It does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. So if we allow fear into our lives and we embrace that fear, fear will lead us in the wrong direction. 
Fear will lead us in the wrong direction. So if fear is telling me, don't go to church, don't, 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 don't do life group, don't, don't reach out to others, don't just sit in the corner. If fear tells us to do that, who's leading us? The enemy's leading us, and he's leading us away. He's leading us to disconnect, to cut off, to cut off our hand, to disconnect from the body. So fear, fear leads us into the opposite direction. The enemy wants to disconnect you. I want you to get this. He wants to disconnect you. Because when he has disconnected you, you are dead. Disconnect the hand, you die. That's how it works. Maybe you last for a month, six months, six years. I don't know. But when you come to the Father, you come to family. You come to family. And so something must needs to shift in some of our hearts. I know many of us have. We embrace this. But I want to warn you from those voices. The enemy wants to disconnect you. I heard this quote. Guy said, the man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. The man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by man. So if you are afraid of people, of relationship, of reaching out, of making friends, of getting involved in people's lives, in the church, maybe you aren't as intimate with Jesus yet as you should be. And that's sometimes good to, to say. It's good to ad- admit it, to say, okay, God, I, I'm not as intimate with you. Because some of us say, oh, I've got such an intimate relationship with Jesus, all alone at home, you know, but it's never, you never talk about him, you never get out of the box, you never, you never do anything. You're on your little hill at the top, and you're checking all the giants, but yeah, I'm intimate. That's not life. God wants you to face your fears. He wants you to walk down that hill, look past the giant, say, my God reigns. Take your land. Take your land. Relationship is a risk. It's a greater risk to not risk it. You are no longer a stranger. You are no longer a stranger. I just release that over your heart. Let's say it. I am no longer a stranger in the house of God. I'm welcome. Amen. Amen. So another angle that the enemy takes is sometimes his pride. You know, where we start saying, telling ourselves, oh, uh, these people, they can't teach me anything. I have a great relationship with God. I don't need them. Well, they're not deep enough. They don't value my gifting sufficiently. There's no space for me. That's pride. That's pride. And God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. We say, well, I can, I can learn from anybody. I can grow through anybody. Any, any person sharing, they have something I don't have. I can receive. I must receive. I need them. If you don't value family, if you don't value godly kingdom values, yes, then it is difficult to fit in. But God wants to change that. God wants to change that. So what is the enemy telling you? Why you shouldn't be part of this family? It could be funny. Why shouldn't you be part of this family? Why shouldn't you join a life group? Why shouldn't you reach out and build relationship with others? Why? What? What is the enemy telling you? What are the voices you're hearing? Are you afraid of getting hurt? The key for your healing is actually being in relationship. So the next verse speaks of built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Okay, I'm, I'm almost finished. Built, this incredible, glorious church, this family of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And yes, we often see that as the words they've spoken and the scriptures that we have, absolutely. But I believe there's a different, there's another angle there as well. Not just the, not just the words they have spoken, but also the life example they showed us. So there's a, they lived in fellowship. They lived in community with one another. So here's a, a quote from a, from a, a description from Acts chapter 2, where they say, The first detailed description of the early Christians is wonderfully revealing. 
The first detailed description, Acts chapter 2, that's where the church was birthed. That's how they started. And then it reveals something. It says, the first detailed description of the early Christians is wonderfully revealing. The followers of Jesus who had been baptized by the Holy Spirit literally devoted themselves to communication and unity with God and with each other. They literally devoted themselves to God and to one another. It wasn't just me and Jesus. So Acts chapter 2 verse 41 to 42. It says, that day, in the message translation, that day about 3,000 took him at his word. So 3,000 people came to Christ, were baptized, were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Look at it. Committed themselves. Let's say it. Committed themselves. Committed themselves. It wasn't like they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles and then life together or fellowship. Life together or fellowship. The common meal, communion, and to pray. Amazing. And the word fellowship means different things. Koinonia. It means sharing. It means unity. It means close association. It means partnership. It means participation. It means a communion, a fellowship, a contributory help, the brotherhood. It's a unity brought together by the Holy Spirit. And it's more than just fellowship while we had coffee. It's a supernatural glue that God brings between believers and he knits them together. The future of this nation, the future of East London is dependent upon the glue within churches. The future of people out there is dependent upon how we love one another. How we care for one another. How we look out for one another. So if you go to the next slide, it's, it just highlight some of the, just a list, next one. Let's go. Go, go, go. That one, just go down. They have all of them on, this, on the screen. So sharing, partnership. Sharing is like mutual sharing. Because God has moved something in my heart. I'm not, I'm not going to go to a life group and just sit there. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to share. And I'm not just going to share a bunch of intellectual stuff. I'm going to share from my heart. Guys, I'm going through, I'm, I'm sending out a, a group WhatsApp here now. I'm going through a storm. It's really tough. But that's how you have relationship. Connected with what Dane shared. When he got up and he humbled himself before the men and he shared the stuff that he went through, it rocked all of us. Because someone humbled themselves and the presence of God flooded into that camp into that, into that meeting. It, it absolutely, one of the most profound moments I've ever had in any meeting. Where men, one by one, came up, humbled themselves and said, man, this is what I've gone through. That was profound. You can't have relationship unless you humble yourself. You can't. You're going to be the orphan outside of the house. You can't have relationship with people if you don't shoot up that flare and say, I'm battling. And I don't know what to do. Sharing. Mutual sharing. Humble yourself. A partnership. It's like, let's do this together. I'm in. I'm part of the team. This is my church, not just their church. My church. Participation. I'm going to be there. I will take part. I'm not just passively sitting by. I want to grow and I want to be part of what God is doing. I'm in. I'm no longer a stranger. I'm going to participate. Or contributory help. I will put on the table what God has blessed me with. I will help with my time, my finances, my prayers. I am in. The brotherhood, sisterhood. It's like we bonded together. Communion. A deep connection. With one another, your pain becomes my pain. My pain becomes your pain. A deep connection, communion. I feel it. When my toe gets hit by that hammer, I feel it. But if the toe is running around out there somewhere, I'm not feeling it. When we're connected, we feel one another's pain. I believe this is the key. The foundation of the apostles, the, the example they gave us, that first Christian community. And then it says the cornerstone, Jesus. Now he, Jesus took it to another level. Jesus, 
chose for himself a family of, of guys and then ladies. And I mean, it grew from the 12 to the 120 to the thousands. But Jesus, just before he left, I'm ending off with this. Just before he left, just before he went to heaven, just before he went to the cross, he said, guys, I loved you. I showed you how. Now love one another as I have loved you. This is the secret. You want to change the world? Love one another as I've loved you. Break out of your fear of rejection. Break out. Break out of your fear of... of, of, of re- you can't love when you live in fear. And you can't truly love when you're disconnected in your heart. And so that's my prayer for us. That we would come and lay this foundation. And, and, and become this God community. Become everything God has called us to be. Not disconnected. But to truly love one another. As Jesus loves us. We are one. One family. One brothers and sisters in Christ. So not this coming Monday. The following Monday. We have an authentic community evening. If you want to become part of this house. Make that official. You want to become part of this family. Join us. Sign up for it. And if you have not been part of a life group. I want to ask you to join, to go to the back table there, the new life table, and chat with someone and see where you, we don't have a lot of space left, but there's a few spaces left, and just, just step out, shock the devil, I love doing that, I just love shocking the devil, he's not going to expect this, oh, let's do it, woo, fatsua, I stepped out, I broke out of my fears, I broke out of my insecurities, I went for it, I'm stepping out for relationship. You can make a difference by being connected in your heart. And we will be a glorious church. In Jesus' name, amen.